that is said and done. Father, may the music be sweet to your ears. Father, as we sing these songs, uh, we want to glorify you through the teaching and hearing of your word. We want you to be lifted up. And Father, I just pray that you'll just guide us and direct us this morning. These things we pray in your name. Amen. Please stand with us. Seated. All right. You may be. Well, let's pray. Father, just thank you for the privilege that we have of coming into your presence. And Father, just bless our time, the remainder of our time together this morning. Father, we are blessed to just be in your house with fellow believers this morning. And we just pray that you'll guide us and direct us. And we pray this in your name. Amen. You know, there's been some questions. Sharon, come here a minute, will you, please? I don't do this very often, but I'm going to do it today. Okay, turn around. For those of you that don't recognize this lady that sits at the piano, she's my wife. This is my wife, Sharon. She's been my wife for 38 years. I know this. Almost 38 and a half years. Okay. Somebody said, we're not sure. Somebody said they were going to come up and speak to her the other day, but they weren't sure who my wife was, you know. Was somebody that was newer here, I guess, that didn't realize that I, when I came here, that I brought her with me. But <clears throat> yeah, I'm the new guy. Uh, somebody told me last night we were over at Monongah, and uh, they said, "Well, you've only been there two Sundays." And I'm like, "Wait a minute. It sure seems like it's been longer." And then I realized we went home and we looked at a calendar. No, it's been four. This is four Sundays now. And some people have asked, well, how long are you going to stick around? Well, you know what? We thought when we went to L.A., we were going to be, the first time we went to L.A., we went there for three and a half weeks, and I thought, I never want to go back to L.A. again. And, and God sent us there for 13 years. So how long are we going to be here? We're going to be here till God moves us on. Um, I got to tell you, I hope it's a long time because I don't want to pack again and try and move that trailer. And when you see the other trailer come in next month, you'll understand why we don't want to move that one either. Um, tell you a little story about a, a young fella who was known in the neighborhood that he grew up in. He had a brother. And I was going to try and get a picture of these, these two brothers and put it up for you. We'll have to find that someday. But they were, they were ornery. Y'all know ornery, right? You know, in the Russian language, when we were in Russia in 03, I, I said something about this young lady being ornery. And we had to pull out a Russian-English dictionary, and it does not translate well. And I understand why people go, oh, you were one of those. Um, but these two, guys, these two little guys were ornery. They were into everything. Uh, parents both, you know, we, they were latchkey kids. They, their parents both worked. And... They were given chores to do every week. Yeah, chores, I know. Um, and they didn't often get them done right. Their mother said when you dust, and one of the chores on Saturday was dusting and vacuuming, that you take everything off and, and dust. And so these two little ornery guys, they waited until they knew mom was about ready to get in the car to come home from work, and they would grab a dust rag, and they would go like this. And they would run along the edge. And then when their mother got home, she would pick up whatever was on the table, and she would look, and she'd say, okay, do it again, after she gave them a whooping because they hadn't done it right. 
And you know they did this every week. This was a weekly occurrence with them, among other things. But one thing they had was a mother who loved the Lord. Dad, on the other hand, their dad did not. Their dad was not a believer. Um, never went to church, ever, as an adult. But mom made sure these two ornery boys in the neighborhood always went to church. If the doors were open, other than Thursday night when they had visitation, she didn't take them out visiting because she figured it'd scare off the new people in the church. But every other time the doors were open, these two little boys were there with their mom. One of the things that gave mom, their mom a little break was vacation Bible school. And I know that Galilean likes vacation Bible school because I've seen tons of curriculum that has been saved, and I recognize a lot of it. But one day in vacation Bible school, they had this great big lady that was teaching them. And you know, you know, you remember that when you were a kid, everybody was really big, and everybody was really old because you're little. And this lady explained the difference between heaven and hell. And that if you died without knowing Jesus Christ as your Savior, and I'm sure she put it in really simple language for little kids, that if you died without knowing Christ as your Savior, you were going to go to hell. And she'd already made it pretty clear what hell was. And she said, now, if you're not sure and you want to know for sure where you're going to spend eternity, raise your hand. And well, basically, she said, if you don't want to go to hell, raise your hand. Well, let's see. These two little boys knew they were ornery and that they had been in a lot of trouble and that they were probably going to go to hell because they didn't know Jesus. So one of them raised his hand. And somebody snatched him up out of his chair and took him to the pastor's office. Many, 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 many years later, God got hold of that young guy's life. He wasn't real young then, and he went into full-time service. And today, he stands in front of you as, his past, as your pastor. I used to, when we, we worked for Child Evangelism Fellowship up in northern Arizona in the 80s. And I used to tell students when they came to camp, if you plan on doing something that you're not supposed to, I will catch you doing it. And one time I got a, caught a bunch of them doing something they weren't supposed to, and they said, how did you know we were going to do that? And I said, if you've thought of it, I've done it and got caught doing it. But you know, God is good. God is good. And all the time, God is good. So he took this little ornery kid from southern Arizona and has moved him to West Virginia. And I know my license plates say I'm from California, but we were missionaries in California. We're really not. And if you want to know where Sharon's from, you'll have to ask her because I don't even know. Her dad was career military, and so if you've ever known anybody career military, you'll know that they're never sure where they lived because they moved all over the United States, oh, actually all over. Uh, were any two of the siblings born in the same state? Oh, okay. Just two of them. But I, just so that you would understand where I came from, you know, God has done a lot of things in our life. Um, 
I'm going to switch over. A year ago, oops, and we won't go into a lot of detail, but a year ago, I think this time last year, I was still in a coma. Maybe I was starting to come out of it. I don't know. I haven't counted the weeks exactly. Um, if it was not for God's amazing love, grace, and mercy, I wouldn't be here today. Um, and you're like, okay, preacher. Why did you do your testimony for us? Well, you needed to hear it. But two, do you realize how many testimonies are in the Bible? Huh? How many prayers? Have you ever thought about how many prayers are in the Bible? We're going to look at a few prayers, and we're going to look at one person's testimony this morning. And God God was good. I was looking for some stuff for tonight out in the trailer. And this is a really cool book. It's really an old book. You know how I know it's an old book? It's a hardback with a paper cover on it that costs $5.95. When's the last time you bought a hardback for $5.95? The first printing of this book was in 1959, and it's all the prayers of the Bible. So if you want to look at prayers, you can... Mike's our, my, I showed Mike this morning, he says, can I borrow that for a few weeks? So you'll have to get in line to borrow it from Mike after he borrows it from me. Take your Bibles, turn to 1 Timothy. and you, You'll probably understand why we started with my testimony. How many of you have ever shared your testimony or tried to share Christ with somebody and they said, I can never be saved because of all the bad things I've done. You ever heard, you ever done that? And they say, I'm too bad. God can never save me. Have you ever heard somebody's testimony? Now, I'm not going to tell you some of the bad things I did, but I'm glad I was saved at a really young age and didn't get caught up into all the stuff that really makes for a great testimony. But my testimony is my, my testimony. Mark couldn't come up here. I could. I could have you come up and try and duplicate it. But you know what? It wouldn't be the same because that's not how Mark got saved. He probably was not the ornery kid on the block. Maybe. Maybe him and his brother. (laughs) So my testimony is my story. What I've done and been forgiven of is my story. And in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12, remember, Paul is the author writing a letter to Timothy, and he makes it pretty simple because it's a letter to Timothy. And he said, and I thank Christ our Lord. So he's, he's thanking the Lord who has enabled me because he counted me faithful putting me into ministry. Last May 13th of last year, no, this year, May 13th this year, I got a phone call that Marilyn Beller had passed away. Marilyn Beller was my junior high Sunday school youth leaders. And if you would have asked her when I was in junior high and high school, 
if God would have ever put me in ministry, she would have probably told you not. So, but Paul's saying that he, that, that the Lord enabled me because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Although I was formerly a blasphemer, a pers persecutor, and an insolent man, but I obtained mercy because I did it in unbelief. Go to Acts chapter 26. I forgot to give Sue this one. Acts 26. Verse 9. Acts 26, 9 said, Indeed, I myself thought I must do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Paul says in 1 Timothy that he did these things because out of ignorance. Paul thought he was what he was doing was helping God out by persecuting Christians. He really honestly thought he was helping out God. And that's what he says. He did these things in, out of ignorance, in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. If you remember a few weeks ago, we were in verse 5, it, he said, Now the purpose of the commandment is love from a pure heart, for a good conscience, and from sincere faith. Then in verse 14, we see that faith and love again. And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant. I'm going to get, I'm going to have the privilege of talking to the, the teaching the weeks that we're here, uh, the, the lesson to the kids. And guess what? You're going to get to hear it because we're going to bring the, the young people for truth seekers in and they're going to sit right here. I don't know if it's here or right here, but I want them right here close. And I'm going to get to teach them about who God is. You know, I think until we get a clear understanding of who God is, how can we worship Him? We sang a song, Jesus Messiah. You know, a lot of people have no clue who Jesus Christ is. They don't know Messiah, the Blessed Redeemer. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna really throw it. Through. Can we see that song real quick? He became sin. He, Christ knew no sin. He. He was perfect in every way that we might become His righteousness. He went to the cross for you and me. He humbled Himself. He carried the cross. Love so amazing. Does that not go with what Paul's writing to Timothy here about God's amazing love? His body the bread, His blood the wine. We celebrated communion last week broken and poured out all for love. And what's Paul say here? Faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. The whole earth trembled and the veil was torn. Love so amazing. Love so amazing. I'm trying to get... get let me see the next one. Our hope is in you. What? Where do you have hope? 
Where do you have hope apart from Jesus Christ? You can't go through life and the things that are coming our way without Christ. All the glory goes to Him. Not to me, not to anybody else. It all goes to Him because He is the light of the world. Jesus, Messiah, name above all names. Blessed Redeemer, Emmanuel. Here, I had, when we were practicing this on Wednesday, I had to go through this in my head a couple times. The rescue for sinners, the ransom from heaven. When you sang that, did you, did you catch that? The rescue and the ransom are capitalized because he was the rescue for our sins and the ransom from heaven. If he had not left heaven and come down here to go on the cross for you and for me, we could not have been rescued from our sins. And then Paul says in verse 15 of 1 Timothy 1, This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of who I am chief. When you talk to somebody and they say, I'm too bad to get saved, he could never forgive me. Go to 1 Timothy. Paul says, there couldn't be anybody worse than me. He said he was the chief of sinners. It should make us all feel real good. We're not that bad. Paul, Paul says, I was the worst of the worst, but yet he was saved. However, for this reason I obtained mercy, that in me first... Jesus Christ might show all long-suffering and patience to those who are going to believe on him for everlasting life. This is Paul's testimony, and it's actually done as a prayer. He's thanking God for saving him the worst of the worst. And then go over to chapter 2, verse 1. And we'll cover this in more detail in a few weeks. But Paul says, Therefore I, I exhort first of all the supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. Who are we supposed to be praying for? Everybody. Even the people you don't like, you've got to pray for them. And some of you are saying, well, I love everybody. No, you've got people that you don't want to be around, but you need to pray for them. We need to be praying for the people in this community. I met the mayor of Whitehall last night. You know what? We need to be praying for him. Oh, wait. What's Paul say? For kings and all who are in authority. Should we pray for the mayor across the street? Absolutely. Should we pray for the leaders of our state, of our nation? Absolutely we should that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desire all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. God's desire is that all be saved. John chapter 3, we, we teach the kids John three sixteen, but we should teach them 15. 
For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that through Him the world might be saved. That's what we need to see. We need to see the world saved. Can we see Jeremiah 29.7? We talk about praying for leaders, because Paul tells us here we have to pray for them. And you know what? Even ungodly leaders, ungodly leaders need to be prayed for. Jeremiah 29.7 says, And seek the peace of the city where I have caused you to be carried away captive and pray to the Lord for it, for in its peace you will have peace. You know, how are we going to see this country turned around? You missed Mike's Sunday school lesson this morning. Great awakening. We need another great awakening in this country. We need to see a revival. We need to earnestly and honestly Pray for those in leadership over us. What about in Ezra 6, chapter 6, verse 10? That they may offer sacrifices of sweet aroma to God of heaven and pray for the life of the king and his sons. You study what was going on in that time period. They prayed for their leadership. Our prayers need to be offered without wrong feelings. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8, it says, I desire, therefore, that the men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. What is our motive? We, we cannot pray with wrong feelings. When we pray for the leadership of our country, what do we pray for? I know some people pray that they get removed, but God has placed them there. God has allowed them to be there. We need to pray for them. We need to pray that they'll get saved. And then we need to look, and I can't vote in your, the next election because we just moved here. We're not residents yet. But we need to be praying for those that are going to be put into office in the next election. We need to pray for wisdom from God as to who to vote for that godly men will be placed into positions of leadership in this country. First Timothy chapter 4, verse 4 says, For every creature of God is good, and nothing is to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving, for it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. It is set apart. That word sanctified means set apart. By the word of God and prayer. Is it important that we pray? I think so. And the God who gives to each one of us is worthy and deserving of our thanks. You know, I think sometimes when we pray, you pray for breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Some of you aren't sure. You, you ask the blessing on your meals? I read an article recently that there's a restaurant in Florida, or I think it's in Florida or South Carolina, that when they... When you come in and you sit down, you order your meal, and they bring your food, you pray, and the waitress sees you praying over your meal, they give you a 15% discount off your ticket because you offered up a prayer. I'll find the article, I, and then we can support that restaurant if you go to Florida. But Sometimes when we go out to eat, a lot of people are embarrassed to pray in public. You know, you, I've heard of men who will pray 
really long prayers at home or in church, and they go out to a restaurant, and they go, thank you for the food, amen. We should not be embarrassed. We should be giving thanks for all that we have, even when we go out to eat. 1 Corinthians 10, 31 says, Therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. What are we supposed to be doing? Everything that we do should bring glory to Him. In Colossians 3, 7, And whatever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Whatever you do, we need to be giving thanks. We need a, we need a strong prayer life. We need a time in the Word, but we also need a strong prayer life. In 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 5 says, Now she was really a widow and left alone, trust in God and continue in supplications and prayers night and day. And as I was looking at these prayers of Paul in this letter, and it just, her mind just, name just slipped my mind, older lady, chapel, lived out in the trailer park, owned a camp, slipped your mind too. This was an older lady who was a widow. And you know what she did? She prayed. And you needed to be real specific when you asked her to pray because we had been out of work for a while and construction was down and, and so we would talked about moving to, to Oregon and she says, you can't move. And I said, I got to do something. I said, if I can't find work, I got to move because Sharon's dad had some land he was going to give us, and we were going to move up there and build a house and settle in Oregon. And she said, you know, I'm going to pray for you. And what I should have done was told her, I need a job that pays really well. Because shortly after that lady, and I said, we've set a deadline, and I can't remember what the deadline was, sometime in the summer, because we needed to move and be settled in before school started for the kids. And I said, if we don't have a job by this day, we're going to have to move. That lady started to pray and pray and pray. And I got a job. Now, some of you know I was a carpenter for many years. I got a job offer as a pipe fitter. And I took a test. I was one of like 18,000 guys that took a test for two jobs. That's how bad work was in my hometown. <clears throat> and the problem was I'd been used to making union scale as a carpenter, and this job started at $7 an hour. I took it. She said, I, you know, I pray for you a job. What are you going to do? Say, well, I don't think that's enough of a job. No. I took it, and God blessed us. We were able to... Uh, keep doing the ministry and, and working for the, for the city as a pipe fitter. But here was a widow lady that faithfully prayed for the needs of others in the church. We need to pray for the widows, but they, they also, God, God, it says, left alone, trust in God, and continued in supplication and prayers night and day. Go back to 1 Timothy chapter one. Verse 15 says, This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance 
And this, this is a prayer that Paul is signing up, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of who I am chief. However, for this reason I obtain mercy that in me first Jesus might show all long-suffering as a pattern to those who are going to believe on him for everlasting life. And this is, this is where you really see Paul's heart. He says, now to the king eternal, immortal, invisible, to God who alone is wise, be honor and glory forever and ever. Paul gives us just a few of the attributes of God in this verse. King eternal, immortal, invisible, the one who is wise, alone is wise. And he says, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Do we see God that way? How do we, how do we really see God? Eternal, immortal, invisible, wise. And do we give him all honor and glory that is due his name? You know, he left, Christ left his home. Again, that song, Jesus Messiah, carried the cross, went to the cross for you and for me. And that amazing love that he showed for you and for me, that care that he had for you and for me. I just wonder where you are today in your walk and your relationship with him. Many, many years ago, a lady challenged a bunch of little kids in vacation Bible school that if you don't know where you're, if you die today, where you're going, where will you spend eternity? Got that settled? I'm new here. I don't know most of you. Hope to get to know you a whole lot better. But you have to ask, are you sure where you're going to spend eternity? My prayers come quickly, Lord Jesus. Wouldn't it be great if he came today before we got done here? Be in his presence, be in, present, in the presence of King Eternal, Immortal, Invisible, the God who is wise. Spend eternity with him. you're not sure today where you'd spend eternity, I'd love to talk with you. Um, you need to be baptized. We were looking at the baptistry the other day. It needs to have some water put in it. We need to start seeing people saved that need to be baptized. I'd love to talk to you about that. If you'd like to join in the membership here at the church, we'd love to talk with you about that. So let's do our closing song now. And if, if you have a need, uh, I'll be down front. Um, love to pray with you, talk with you about whatever the need is in your life today. Stand with me, will you please?